We were bored and alone with COVID at play. Nothing to do with our lives through the day. Then we decided to put on a play. Let's try braving the bard. To sing a song that old was sung, from ashes ancient we have come. Assuming man's infirmities, to glad your ear and please your mind. Lords and ladies in their lives have read it for restoratives. This Antioch then, Antiochus the Great built up this city for his chiefest seat, the fairest in all Syria. This king unto him took a fear, who died and left a female heir. So booksome, blithe, and full of face, as heaven had lent her all his grace. The beauty of this sinful dame made many princes tither frame, to seek her as a bedfellow, in marriage pleasures playfellow, which to prevent he made a law. To keep her still, and men in awe that whoso asked her for his wife, his riddle told not, lost his life. So for her, many a white did die. As yon grim looks do testify, what now ensues to the judgment of your eye I give, my cause who best can justify. Act One, Scene One, Antioch, a room in the palace. Enter Antiochus, the ruler of Antioch, and Prince Pericles. Young Prince of Tyre, you have at large received the danger of the task you undertake? I have, Antiochus, and with a soul emboldened with the glory of her praise, think death no hazard in this enterprise. Bring in our daughter, clothed like a bride. Nature this dowry gave to glad her presence. The Senate House of Planets all did sit to knit in her their best perfections. Enter the daughter of Antiochus. See where she comes, appareled like the spring, graces her subjects, and her thoughts the king of every virtue gives renown to men. Oh, you gods that made me man and sway in love. Prince Pericles. That would be son to great Antiochus. Before thee stands this fair Hesperides, with golden fruit, but dangerous to be touched. For death-like dragons here affright thee hard. Her face, like heaven, enticeth thee to view her countless glory, which desert must gain, and which without desert, because thine eye presumes to reach, all thy whole heap must die. Yon sometimes famous princes, like thyself, drawn by report, adventurous by desire, that without covering save yon field of stars, here they stand martyrs, slain in Cupid's wars, and with dead cheeks advise thee to desist for going on death's net, whom none resist. Antiochus, I thank thee, who hath taught my frail mortality to know itself, and by those fearful objects to prepare this body like to them to what I must. For death remembered should be like a mirror, who tells us life's but breath to trust it ever. I'll make it my will, then, and as sick men do who know the world see heaven, but, feeling woe, gripe not at earthly joys as erst they did. So I bequeath a happy peace to you and all good men, as every prince should do, my riches to the earth from whence they came, but my unspotted fire of love to you. Thus ready for the way of life or death, 
I wait the sharpest blow, Antiochus. Scorning advice. Read the conclusion, then, which read and not expounded, tis decreed, as these before thee, thou thyself shalt bleed. Of all said yet, mayst thou prove prosperous. Of all said yet, I wish thee happiness. Pericles reads Antiochus's letter. I am no viper, yet I feed on mother's flesh which did me breed. I sought a husband in which labor I found that kindness in a father. He's father, son, and husband mild, I mother-wife, and yet his child. How they may be, and yet in two, as you will live, resolve it you. Pericles has solved the riddle, but should he reveal it? He could either give the king his answer and see what happens, or choose to hold his tongue and be certain of his own fate. His choice could cost him his life, after all. Why cloud they not their sights perpetually? If this be true, which makes me pale to read it. Fair glass of light, I loved you and could still. But I must tell you, now my thoughts revolt, for he's no man on whom perfections wait, that knowing sin within will touch the gate. You are a fair vial, and your sense the strings, but being played upon before your time, hell only danceth at so harsh a crime. Good sooth, I care not for you. Prince Pericles, touch not upon thy life, for that's an article within our law as dangerous as the rest. Your time's expired. Either expound now or receive your sentence. Great king, few love to hear the sins they love to act. It's more secure to keep it shut than shown. For vice repeated is like the wandering wind, blows dust in others' eyes to spread itself. And yet the end of all is bought thus dear. The breath is gone, and the sore eyes see clear. Kings are earth's gods, in vice their laws, their will. And if Jove stray, who dares say Jove doth ill? It is enough, you know, and it is fit. What being more known grows worse to smother it. All love the womb that their first being bred, then give my tongue like leave to love my head. Heaven that I had thy head, he has found the meaning. Young prince of Tyre, though by the tenor of our strict edict your exposition misinterpreting, we might proceed to cancel of your days. Forty days longer we do respite you. If by which time our secret be undone, this mercy shows we'll joy in such a son. And until then, your entertain shall be as doth befit our honor and your worth. All exit except Pericles. How courtesy would seem to cover sin, when what is done is like an hypocrite. The witch is good in nothing but in sight. As with foul incest to abuse your soul, where now you're both a father and a son, which pleasure fits an husband, not a father, and she, an eater of her mother's flesh by the defiling of her parents' bed, and both like serpents are who, though they feed on sweetest flowers, yet they poison breed. Antioch, farewell. 
For wisdom sees those men one sin I know another doth provoke. Murders as near to lust as flame to smoke. Poison and treason are the hands of sin. Aye, and the targets to put off the shame. Then lest my lie be cropped to, to keep you clear, by flight I'll shun the danger which I fear. Why cloud they not their sights perpetually? If this be true, which makes me pale to read it. Fair glass of light, I loved you, and could still, but I must tell you now my thoughts revolt, for he's no man on whom perfections wait, that knowing sin within will touch the gate. You are a fair vial, and your sense the strings but being played upon before your time, hell only danceth at so harsh a chime. Good sooth, I care not for you. courtesy would seem to cover sin, when what is done is like an hypocrite, the which is good in nothing but in sight. As with foul incest to abuse your soul, where now you're both a father and a son, which pleasure fits an husband, not a father, and she an eater of her mother's flesh by the defiling of her parents' bed, and both, like serpents are, who though they feed on sweetest flowers, yet poison fuck. And both, like serpents are, who though they feed on sweetest flowers, yet poison... I'm doing it again. Oh my god. Okay, one more time. One more time. Sorry. And both, like serpents are, who though they feed on sweetest flowers, yet they poison breed. Antioch, farewell. For wisdom sees those men one sin I know another doth provoke. Murders as near to lust as flame to smoke. Poison. And treason are the hands of sin, I, and the targets to put off the shame. Then lest my lie be cropped to keep you clear, by flight I'll shun the danger which I fear. Pericles exit as Antiochus re-enters. He hath found the meaning for which we mean to have his head. He must not live to trumpet forth my infamy, nor tell the world Antiochus doth sin in such a loathed manner. And therefore instantly this prince must die, for by his fall my honor must keep high. Who attends us there? Tailiard enters the chambers. Doth your highness call? Thaliard, you are of our chamber, and our mind partakes her private actions to your secrecy, and for your faithfulness we will advance you. Thaliard, behold, here's poison, and here's gold. We hate the prince of Tyre, and thou must kill him. It fits thee not to ask the reason why, because we bid it. Say, is it done? My lord, my lord, prince Pericles is fled. As thou wilt live, fly after, and like an arrow shot from a well-experienced archer hits the mark his eye doth level at, so thou ne'er return, unless thou say Prince Pericles is dead. My lord, if I can get him within my pistol's length, I'll make him sure enough. So, farewell to your highness. Thaliard, adieu. Thaliard exits.
till Pericles be dead, my heart can lend no succor to my head. Scene 2. Tyre. A room in the palace. Pericles is surrounded by his lords. Let none disturb us. Why should this change of thoughts, the sad companion, dull-eyed melancholy, be my so used a guest as not an hour in the day's glorious walk, or peaceful night, the tomb where grief should sleep, can breed me quiet? Here pleasures court mine eyes, and mine eyes shun them, and danger, which I feared as at Antioch, whose aim seems far too short to hit me here since he so great can make his will his act, will think me speaking, though I swear to silence, if he suspect I may dishonor him, then what may make him blush in being known, he'll stop the course by which it might be known. With hostile forces he'll o'erspread the land, and with the ostent of war will look so huge, who am no more but as the tops of trees which fence the roots they grow by and defend them, makes both my body pine and my soul to languish, and punish that before that he would punish. Enter Helicanus with other lords. Peace, peace. They do abuse the king that flatter him, for flattery is the bellows blows up sin, the thing which is flattered but a spark. Prince, pardon me, or strike me, if you please, I cannot be much lower than my knees. All leave us else, but let your cares o'erlook what shipping and what landings in our haven, and then return to us. The lords all exit. Alicanus, thou hast moved us. What seest thou in our looks? An angry brow, dread lord. If there be such a dart in princes' frowns, how durst thy tongue move to anger our face? How dare the plants look up to heaven from whence they have their nourishment? Thou knowest I have the power to take thy life from thee. Helicanus kneels before Pericles. I have ground the axe myself. Do you but strike the blow. Rise, prithee, rise. I, I, I thank thee for it. <laughs> and heaven forbid that kings should let their ears hear their faults hid. Fit counselor and servant for a prince, who by thy wisdom makest a prince thy servant. What wouldst thou have me do? To bear with patience such griefs as you yourself do lay upon yourself. Thou speakest like a physician, Helicanus, that minners... Wow! Okay, I'm so sorry. One more time. Thou speakest like a physician, Helicanus, that ministerest a potion unto me that thou wouldst tremble to receive thyself. A attend me then. I went to Antioch, where, as thou knowest, against the face of death, I sought the purchase of a glorious beauty from whence an issue I might propagate, or arms to princes, and bring joys to subjects. Her face was to mine eye beyond all wonder. The rest, hearken thy ear, as black as incest, which by my knowledge found the sinful father seemed not to strike, but smooth. But thou knowest this, tis time to fear when tyrants seem to kiss. Such fear so grew in me, I hither fled under the covering of a careful night, 
who seemed my good protector, and being here, bethought me what was past, what might succeed. I knew him. Tyrannous, and tyrant's fears decrease not, but grow faster than the years. And should he doubt it, as no doubt he doth, that I should open to the listening air how many worthy princes' blood were shed to keep his bed of blackness unlaid ope. To lop that doubt, he'll fill this land with arms and make pretense of wrong that I have done him. When all for mine, if I may call offense, must feel war's blow, who spares not innocence. Which love to all, of which thyself art one, who now provost me for it. Alas, sir. Draw sleep out of mine eyes, blood from my cheeks, musings into my mind with thousand doubts. How I might stop this tempest ere it came. And finding little comfort to relieve them, I thought it princely charity to grieve them. Well, my lord, since you have given me leave to speak, freely will I speak. Antiochus, you fear, and justly, too, I think, you fear the tyrant, who either by public war or private treason will take away your life. Therefore, my lord, go travel for a while, till that his rage and anger be forgot or till the destinies do cut his thread of life. Your rule direct to any, if to me, day serves not light more faithful than I'll be. I do not doubt thy faith. But should he wrong my liberties in my absence? We'll mingle our bloods together in the earth, from whence we had our being and our birth. Tyre, I now look from thee then, and to Tarsus intend my travel where I'll hear... Wow, I'm so sorry. Tyre, I now look from thee then, and to Tarsus intend my travel where I'll hear from thee, and by whose le... One more time. Okay. Tyre, I now look from thee then, and to Tarsus intend my travel where I'll hear from thee, and by whose letters I'll dispose myself. The care I had and have of subjects good, on thee I lay, whose wisdom's strength can bear it. But take thy word for faith, not ask thine oath. Uh, who shuns not to break one will sure crack both. But in our orbs we'll live so round and safe, that time of both this true shall ne'er convince. Thou showedest a subject shine, I, a true prince. Scene 3. Tarsus. A room inside the governor's house. Enter Cleon, the governor of Tarsus, with Dionysa and others. My Dionysa, shall we rest us here? And by relating tales of others' grief, see if twill teach us to forget our own? That were to blow at fire in hope to quench it. For who digs hills because they do aspire, throws down one mountain to cast up a higher? Oh, my distressed lord, even such as our griefs are, here they're but felt, and seen with mischief's eyes, but like to groves, being topped, they higher rise. Oh, Dionysus, who wanteth food and will not say he wants it, or can conceal his hunger till he famish? 
Our tongues and sorrows do sound deep our woes into the air. Our eyes do weep till tongues fetch breath that may proclaim them louder, that if heaven slumber while their creatures want, they may awake their helps to comfort them. I'll then discourse our woes, felt several years, and wanting breath to speak, help me with tears. I'll do my best, sir. This Tarsus, o'er which I have the government, a city on whom plenty held full hand, for riches strewed herself even in the streets, whose towers bore heads so high they kissed the clouds, and strangers ne'er beheld but wondered at, whose men and dames so jetted and adorned like one another's glass to trim them by. Their tables were stored full to glad the sight, and not so much to feed on as delight. All poverty was scorned, and pride so great, the name of help grew odious to repeat. Oh, tis too true. But see what heaven can do. By this our change, these mouths, who but of late earth, sea, and air, were all too little to content and please, although they gave their creatures an abundance, as houses are defiled for want of use, they are now starved for want of exercise. Those pallets, who not yet two summers younger must have inventions to delight the taste, would now be glad of bread and beg for it. Those mothers, who to nuzzle up their babes thought not too curious, are ready now to eat those little darlings whom they loved. So sharp are hunger's teeth that man and wife draw lots who first shall die to lengthen life. Here stands a lord and there a lady weeping, here many sink. Yet those which see them fall have scarce strength left to give them burial. Is not this true? Our cheeks and hollow eyes do witness it. Oh, let those cities that of plenty's cup and her prosperity so largely taste with their superfluous riots hear these tears. The misery of Tarsus may be theirs. A lord enters. Where's the lord governor? Here. Speak out thy sorrows, which thou bring'st in haste, for comfort is too far for us to expect. We have described upon our neighboring shore a portly sail of ships make hitherward. Oh, I thought as much. One sorrow never comes, but brings an heir that may succeed as his inheritor, and so in ours. Some neighboring nation, taking advantage of our misery, hath stuffed these hollow vessels with their power to beat us down, the which are down already, and make a conquest of unhappy me, whereas no glory's got to overcome. That's the least fear, for, by the semblance of their white flags displayed, they bring us peace, and come to us as favorers, not as foes. Oh, thou speak'st like hymns untutored to repeat. Who makes the fairest show means most deceit. But bring they what they will and what they can. What need we fear? The ground's the lowest, and we are halfway there. Go, tell their general we attend him here to know for what he comes and whence he comes and what he craves. I go, my lord. The lord exits. Welcome is peace, if he on peace consist. If wars, we are unable to resist. Pericles has arrived in a foreign land stricken by famine. He has the supplies to aid the people of Tarsus. The question now is, should he? Enter Pericles with attendants. 
Lord Governor, uh, for so we hear you are, let not our ships and number of our men be like a beacon fired to amaze your eyes. We have heard your miseries as far as Tyre, and seen the desolation of your streets. Uh, nor we come to add sorrow to your tears, but to relieve them of their heavy load. And these are ships you happily may think are like the Trojan horses, was stuffed within with bloody veins expecting overthrow, are stored with corn to make your needy bread, and give them life whom hunger starved hath dead. The gods of Greece protect you, and will pray for you. Arise, I pray you, rise. We do not look for reverence, but to love, and harborage for ourselves, our ships and men. Which, when any shall not gratify, or, or pay you with unthankfulness and thought, be it our wives, our children, or ourselves, the curse of heaven and men succeed their evils. Till when, the which I hope shall ne'er be seen, your grace is welcome to our town and us. Which welcome will accept, feast here a while, until our stars at frown lend us a smile. Here have you seen a mighty king, his child I whiz to incest bring, a better prince and benign lord that will prove awful both in deed and word. Be quiet then as men should be till he hath passed necessity. We'll show you those in trouble's reign, losing a might a mountain gain. The good in conversation, to whom I give my venison, is still a Tarsus, for each man thinks all is writ he speak and can. And, to remember what he does, build his statue to make him glorious. But tides to the contrary are brought your eyes. What need speak I? Now sleepy slake tath the rout. No din but snores the house about, made louder by the orphid breast of this most pompous marriage feast. He doing so put forth to seeds, where when men beam, there's seldom ease. For now, the wind begins to blow, thunder above and deeps below, make such unquiet that the ship should house him safe, is wrecked and split. And he, good prince, having all lost, by waves from coast to coast is tossed. All perishin of man of pelf, naught escapin but himself, till fortune, tired with doing bad, threw him ashore to give him glad, and here he comes. What shall be next? Pardon, old Gower. This longs the text. Scene 1. Pentopolis. An open palace by the sea. Pericles enters, soaking wet. Yet cease your ire, you angry stars of heaven! Wind, rain, and thunder, remember, earthly man is but a substance that must yield to you, and I, as fits my nature, do obey you. Alas, the sea hath cast me on the rocks, washed me from shore to shore, and left me breath, nothing to think on but ensuing death. Let it suffice, the greatness of your powers to have bereft a prince of all his fortunes, and having thrown him from your watery grave, here to have death in peace is all he'll crave. 
Enter three fishermen. What? Oh, pilch! Ah, come and bring away the nets. What? Patch breach, I say! What say you, master? Look, how thou stirrest now! Come away! I'll, I'll fetch thee with a wanion! How from the finny subject of the sea these fishers tell the infirmities of men, and from their watery empire recollect all that may men approve or men detect. Uh, peace be at your labor, honest fisherman. Honest? <laughs> Good fellow, what's that? If it be a day fits you, search out of the calendar and nobody look after it. May see the sea hath cast upon your coast. What a drunken knave was the sea to cast thee in our way. A man whom both the waters and the wind in that vast tennis court have made the ball for them to play upon entreats you to pity him. He asks of you that never used to beg. Oh, friend, cannot you beg? Is <laughs> them in our country, Greece gets more with begging than we do with working. <laughs> what I have been, I have forgot to know. But what I am, one teaches me to think on. A man thronged up with cold, my veins are chill, and have no more of life than may suffice to give my tongue that heat to ask your help. Which, if you shall refuse, when I am dead, for that I am a man, pray to see me buried. Hark you, my friend. You said you could not beg. I did but crave. Ah, uh, crave. And I'll turn craver, too, and so I shall escape whipping. But, master, I'll go drop the net. Two of the fishermen exit. How well this honest mirth becomes their labor. Hark you, sir. Uh, do you know where you are? Not well. <laughs> Why, I'll, I'll tell you. This is called a Pentapolis, and our king... The good Simonides. The good king Simonides, do you call him? Aye, sir, and he deserves to be called for his peaceable reign and good government. He is a happy king, since he gains from his subjects the name of good by his government. How far is his court distant from this shore? Mary, sir, a half a day's journey. Uh, and I'll tell you, he hath a fair daughter, and tomorrow is her birthday, and there are princes and knights come from all parts of the world to, to just and tourney for her love. When my fortune's equal to my desires, I could wish to make one there. Oh, sir, uh, things must be as they may, and, and what a man cannot get, he may lawfully deal for. His wife's so. The other two fishermen enter, drawing up their nets. Help! Master, help! Here's a fish hangs Here. in the net like a poor man's right in the law. Will hardly come out. Ha! Bots on it. Tis come at last, and tis turned to a rusty armor. An armor, friends! I pray you, let me see it. Thanks, fortune, yet, that after all my crosses thou givest me somewhat to repair myself. Though it was my own, part of my heritage, which my dead father did bequeath to me with this strict charge, even as he left his life. 
keep it, my Pericles, and hath been a shield twixt me and death, and pointed to this brace. For that it saved me. Keep it in like necessity, the which the gods protect thee from may defend thee. It is kept where I kept. I so dearly loved it, till the rough seas that spare not any man took it in rage. Though calmed, have given it again. I thank thee for it, my shipwrecked. Now's no ill, since I have here my father's gift in's will. Uh, what mean you, sir? To beg you, kind friends, this coat of worth, for it was sometime target to a king. I know it by this mark. He loved me dearly, and for his sake I wish the having of it, and that you'll guide me to your sovereign's court, where with it I may appear a gentleman. And if that ever my low fortune's better, I'll pay your bounties, till then the rest your debtor. Why, wilt thou journey for the lady? Pericles has now found himself washed ashore in Pentopolis. The king is hosting a tournament for his daughter's hand in marriage. Should Pericles enter his name and fight, or continue on his way? I'll show the virtue I have borne in mine arms. Why, <laughs> do it, take it, and the gods give thee good on it. <laughs> Aye, but hark you, my friend. T'was we that made up this garment through the rough seams of the waters. There are certain condolements, certain veils. I hope, sir, if you thrive, you'll remember from where you had it. Believe it, I will. By your furtherance, I am clothed in steel, and spite of all the rupture of the sea, this jewel holds his building on mine arm. Unto thy value, I will mount myself upon a courser whose delightful steps shall make the gazer joy to see him tread. O only, my friend, I, I am unprovided of a pair of bases. Oh, sure, provide. Thou shalt have my best gown to make thee a pair, and I'll bring thee to court myself. Then honor be but a goal to my will. This day I'll rise, or else... Then honor be but a goal to my will. This day I'll rise, or else add ill to ill. Scene two. A public way or platform leading to the palace pavilion, where a reception is underway. Enter Simonides, Thaisa, along with their lords and other attendants. Are the knights ready to begin their triumph? They are, my liege, and stay your coming to present themselves. <laughs> Return them! We are ready, and our daughter, in honor of whose birth these triumphs are, sits here. Like beauty's child, whom nature gat, for men to see and seeing wonder at. The Lord exits. It pleaseth you, my royal father, to express my commendations great, whose merits less. It's fit it should be so, for princes are a model which heaven makes like to itself. As jewels lose their glory if neglected, so princes their renown if not respected. Tis now, your honor, daughter, to explain the... Labor of each knight in his device. Which, to preserve mine honor, I'll perform. Enter a knight. He presents his shield to the princess Thaisa. Uh, who was the first man that doth prefer himself? 
A knight of Sparta, my renowned father, and the device he bears upon his shield is a black Ethiop reaching at the sun, the word Lux Tua Vita Mihi. Mm. He loves you well that holds his life of you. A second knight enters. Who is the second that presents himself? A prince of Macedon, my royal father, and the device he bears upon his shield is an armed knight that's conquered by a lady. The motto thus, in Spanish, Pio por duzara que por fuerza. Then what's the third and the last, the which the knight himself, with a graceful courtesy, delivered? The third knight, Pericles, enters. Ah, a pretty moral. From the dejected state wherein he is, he hopes by you his fortunes yet may flourish. He had need mean better than his outward show can any way speak in his just commend. For by his rusty outside he appears to have practiced more the whipstock than the lance. Ah, opinion's but a fool that makes us scan the outward habit by the inward man. But stay, the knights are coming, we will withdraw into the gallery. Scene three, sometime later, the same hall but with a banquet prepared. Enter Simonides, Thyasia, and other various attendants. Knights, to say your welcome were superfluous, to place upon the volume of your deeds as in a title page, your worth in arms, or more than you expect, or more than's fit, since every worth in show commends itself, prepare for mirth, for mirth becomes a feast. You are princes. And my guest. But you, but you, my knight and guest, to whom this wreath of victory I give, and crown you king of this day's happiness. Tis more by fortune, lady, than by merit. Call it by what you will. The day is yours, and here I hope is none that envies it. In framing an artist, art hath thus decreed to make some good but others to succeed, and you are her labored scholar. Come, queen of feast. Your presence glads our days. Honor we love, for who hates honor hates the gods above. By Jove, I wonder that is king of thoughts. These gates resist me. She but thought upon. By Juno, that is queen of marriage, all viands that I eat do seem unsavory, wishing him my meat. Sure, he's a gallant gentleman. No, he is but a country gentleman. Has done no more than other knights have done. Has broken a staff or so. <laughs> so let it pass. Yon king's to me like to my father's picture, which tells me in that glory once he was, had princes sit like stars about his throne, and he the sun for them to reverence. None that beheld him but like lesser lights did veil their crowns to his supremacy. For now his sons like a glowworm in the night, the which hath fire in darkness, none in light. Whereby I see that time's the king of men. He's both their parent and he is their grave, and gives them what he will, not what they crave. Yet. Pause a while. Yon knight doth sit too melancholy, as if the entertainment in our court had not a show might countervail his worth. Noted not you, Thaisa? What is it to me, my father? <laughs> Attend, my daughter. Princes in this should live like gods above, who freely give to everyone that comes to honor them. 
and princes not doing so are like to gnats, which make a sound, but killed and are wondered at. Therefore, therefore, to make his entrance more sweet, here, say we drink this standing bowl of wine to him. Alas, my father, it benefits not me unto a stranger knight to be so bold. He may my proffer take for an offense, since men take women's gifts for impudence. Now, do as I bid you, or you'll move me else. Now, by the gods, he could not please me better. And furthermore, tell him we desire to know of him, of whence he is, his name and parentage. The king, my father, sir, has drunk to you. I thank him. Wishing it so much blood unto your life. I thank both him and you, and pledge him freely. And further, he desires to know of you, of whence you are, your name and parentage. A gentleman of Tyre. My name, Pericles. My education been in arts and arms, who, looking for adventures in the world, was by the rough seas, reft of ships and men. And after shipwreck, driven upon this shore. He thanks your grace, names himself Pericles, a gentleman of Tyre, who only by misfortune of the seas, bereft of ships and men, cast on this shore. Now by the gods I pity his misfortune, and will wake him from his melancholy. Come, gentlemen! We sit too long on trifles. Here's a lady that wants breathing too, and I have heard... You knights of Tyre are excellent in making ladies trip, <laughs> and their measurements are as excellent. And those that practice them, they are, my lord. No, oh, that's as much as you would be denied of your fair courtesy. Yours, sir, we have given order to be next our own. I am at your grace's pleasure. Princes, it's too late to talk of love, and that's the mark I know you level at. <laughs> Therefore, each one betake him to his rest. Tomorrow, all for the spending, do their best. Scene 4. Pentapolis. A room inside the palace. Enter Simonides, reading a letter. Knights, from my daughter this I let you know, that for this twelve months she'll not undertake a married life. Her reason to herself is only known, which yet, from her, by no means can I get. May we not get access to her, my lord. Faith, by no means she has so strictly tied her to her chamber that tis impossible. One twelve moons more she'll wear Diana's livery. This by the eye of Cynthia hath she vowed, and on her virgin honor will not break it. Knight's exit. So well. Let me take two. Hmm, so. Ha! They are well dispatched. Now to my daughter's letter. She tells me here she'd wed the stranger knight, or never more to view nor day nor light. Tis well, mistress, your choice agrees with mine. I like that well. Nay, how absolute she's in it, not minding whether I dislike it or not. Oh, well, I do commend her choice, and will no longer have it be delayed. Soft, here he comes. I must assemble it. Pericles enters. All fortune to the good Simonides. To you as much, sir. I am beholding to you for your sweet music this last night. I I do protest my ears were never better fed with such delightful, pleasing harmony. It is your grace's pleasure to commend, not my desert. Sir, you are music's master. 
The worst of all her scholars, my good lord. Let me ask you one thing. What do you think of my daughter, sir? A most virtuous princess. And she is fair too, is she not? As a fair day in summer, wondrous fair. Ah, sir, my daughter thinks very well of you. I so well that you must be her master. And she will be your scholar, therefore look to it. I am unworthy for her schoolmaster. What's here? A letter that she loves the knight of Tyre. Tis the king subtly to have my life. Oh, seek not to entrap me, gracious lord, a stranger and distressed gentleman that never aimed so high to love your daughter, but bent all offices to honor her. Th thou hast bewitched my daughter, and thou art a villain. But by the gods I have not. Never did thought of mine levy offense, nor, nor did my actions yet commence. A, a deed might gain her love or, or your displeasure. Traitor! Thou liest! Traitor? I traitor! Even in his throat, uh, unless it be a king uh, that calls me traitor, I return the lie. Now by the gods, I do applaud his courage. My actions are as noble as my thoughts, that never relished of a base descent. I came unto your court for honor's cause, and not to be a rebel to her state, and he that otherwise accounts of me, this sword shall prove he's honor's enemy. Ooh, for aught I know, maybe, nor can I think the contrary, as great in blood as myself. <clears throat> Therefore, hear you, mistress, either frame your will to mine, and you, sir, hear you, either be ruled by me, or I will make you man and wife. Nay! Come, your hands and lips must seal it too, and being joined, I'll thus your hopes destroy, and for further grief, God give you joy. Even as my life, or, or blood that fosters it. It pleases me so well I will see you wed, and then with what haste you can get you to bed.